Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back again. Marlon Go Podcast. We are back looking ahead to some crucial games at the Africa Cup of Nations. And guys, what a cracking week of football already. We've seen some dramatic matches. Oh, goodness me. DK. Charlie. We're back again, eh? Charlie, top quality football. But... Charlie, <laughs> no, but I, Algeria didn't start with a win. Nigeria didn't start with a win. Uh, Egypt. Cameroon didn't start with a win. Egypt didn't start with a win. Uh, Ghana. So, champ. Some way. <laughs> you didn't mention one team. Ghana I mean, didn't start with a win. As expected. Ghana didn't start with a win. Gradually, we are beginning uh, to accept that we don't be big boys anymore. Oh, so you see, when he was talking, yes, when he was talking about the big teams that didn't start with the win, he mentioned Cameroon, Egypt, Algeria, mm. and all of that. He didn't add Ghana. The reality but, is hitting. You know, we we'll talk about Ghana. My my confidence is that we will we'll not lose against Egypt. I, I, I'm that confident. That's why I even went on Twitter and went on radio to say that if we don't beat, uh, I didn't say if we don't beat. Let me take if we lose. let me choose my words carefully. I said we won't lose. So if we lose against if they should call me Salamatu, let me put today. I'm not even posting. I said Salamatu Abiba. From Salama to now is Abiba. The people that are not even posting training videos for me to see them. So <laughs> I'm beginning to regret that. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about uh, the games coming up uh, this week. And obviously on Thursday, there's a big game uh, between Cote d'Ivoire and Nigeria. There's also a big game between Ghana and Egypt. We'll talk about them very shortly. But let's talk about Equatorial uh, Guinea and Guinea-Bissau. Uh, Equatorial Guinea started the competition really well uh, with that draw against Nigeria. I don't think a lot of people saw it coming, but they were bold in their approach. They pressed Nigeria's next and they didn't. They took the lead. Uh, you know, Semen missed a plethora of chances in that game, but credit to Equatorial Guinea, they stood their ground, scored a goal and got a decent result. Um, can't say the same for Guinea-Bissau. They were totally outplayed by Cote d'Ivoire, beaten by two goals to nil. And you're not going to believe this. They are still looking for their first ever win at the Africa Cup of Nations. They've played 10 matches. Is that going to continue against Equatorial Guinea? If um, Look, it's, I think it would be a, a, a much closer. I think they're going to lose. So if there was ever a game that they could look and see they can win. It's it's a game against Guinea Bissau. Yeah, beat Equatorial Guinea. Yes, against Equatorial Guinea. Yeah, look, Equatorial Guinea were not good against Nigeria. I don't, I don't, I don't like this results based analysis kind of. Nigeria should have won that game easily. Easy. Yes, but they didn't. That's After the point. Equatorial Guinea's first goal, in fact, even before then, should have, could have, no. The everybody can say it all. No, you see, but but you, we don't, we don't. You look at how the game panned out. And I get translated. They were lucky. Nigeria, luck. You don't. You don't plan. They made luck. their own luck. You don't make your own luck. If Osimhen is missing chances, that's not luck. What so you, do you is, have to be there. No, you see, for example, Osimhen gets a one v one. He shoots white. The keeper has to make himself white to make him think that the goal post is over there. That's a poor finish, and that doesn't mean that it will translate. <laughs> the, what you have to do is to prevent those chances from from from, from being created. From being created, and, yeah. they, they, and they didn't do that. Okay. So they were really lucky against Nigeria. Yes, they got a one one. It looks good. Of course, if you draw against Nigeria, if you are Equatorial Guinea, you draw against Nigeria is a good result. But Nigeria should have won that game. Uh, Right. And I understand why most people are, are 
taking it from the angle of Equatorial Guinea and how they did well. Because Nigeria, we all know they had their problems leading up to the competition. And I don't even think most people expected them to create and open up Equatorial Guinea the, the, the way they did. Although they were very good offensively in the in, in the qualifiers. Mm -hmm. But the way they, they, they carved open the Equatorial Guinea side over and over and over again in that first uh, game, I think it came on the blind side of many people. But Equatorial Guinea will have to be much better defensively against Guinea-Bissau. Mm. Guinea-Bissau were facing the host nation. But even that, I think defensively, Guinea-Bissau were a much better team against Cote d'Ivoire than Equatorial Guinea were against Nigeria. And yet, yeah. only one of them has one point. Yeah, but that's football. <laughs> if you don't correct your mistakes in the following game, you never know what will happen. So I, I'm, I'm backing Guinea-Bissau in that in that second game against Equatorial Guinea. Daniel, that is some confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very confident. Yeah, for I'm a team that has never won an AFCON game. How many AFCON games have Equatorial <laughs> Guinea won? Uh, they've won quite a, even when they hosted the competition they went all the way to the quarterfinals Ghana eliminated yeah, them yeah then since then since then even the last competition didn't they make it out of the group stage didn't they beat uh, who was it they beat surprise Nigeria the yes, defending champions beat, oh it was, it was okay, no. yeah, they beat, oh, they they, they they ended, beat I think Algeria they had a 64 they the biggest upset at the AFCON yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where the school of thought you belong to for me I think I think <coughs> Equatorial Guinea are big favourites for this one look People are giving them credits for this. And I would agree with Daniel that this is one of those cases where the results influences the narrative about the performance. They mm -hmm. weren't very good. But the memory that we have of Equatorial Guinea... They were also coming up against Nigeria. How good did you expect them to be? No, but per their own very high standards at the AFCON, they were poor. The Equatorial Guinea that we've come to see and the one major and even throughout the AFCON have been a very compact, disciplined team that are playing their mind how they defend and how they attack games. And if you look at the performance that they've put up over time, okay. they've managed to get some really credible results. For my money, they were the second best team from the last tournaments. Played very well. They ended Algeria's 35 game on beating one. Did. They beat Mali at the round of 16. Yeah. And they took Senegal to the wire in it that did. game that Senegal beat them. If you look at their AFCON history, they have a 100% qualification rate from the group stage. That's just right. And yeah, I can guarantee you, they are going to so qualify this is your, this the experience. Third time. This is their fourth time. This is their fourth time. They've, called, they've made it to the quarters on two occasions, they've made it to the semis on one occasion. Mm. Look, I'm going to put my money and say that they're going to qualify the expense of Nigeria because they play football that is very Actually, simple. Actually, when Ghana beat them, it was in the semis, wasn't it? Yes. It wasn't yeah. a quarterfinal match. So a quarterfinal, Ghana beat Guinea. Guinea. Yes. Yeah, for they play football that is very simple and compact. And that is where I feel they are going to show things up and revert to type in tomorrow's game that they are yeah. going to play because they are not that expansive a team. They they are aware of their limitations and they don't push very high up the pitch. They don't leave too many spaces in between the lines. They cover spaces very well. And they are a team that has been trained to stay within the games yeah. and take their, that opportunity when they come because they are not the team that is going to take the initiative to create too many chances and get high XGs then to be able to take this, those chances. If you check the average Equatorial Guinea goal, and I didn't want to go on YouTube, the average Equatorial Guinea goal at the AFCON, nine out of 10 times, it is going to be a goal from the counter break. 
because yeah. that is how they are set up to play. But they have got an incredibly impressive record. Look, I I didn't believe it that every time they've been at the Afcon, they've qualified out of the group stage. And you know what? One other really interesting thing about them that every single one of their last seven matches have produced under two point five goals. Yeah. Yeah. So they are not a team that it's involved in a lot of high scoring goals. No, so no, and even last year that they went unbeaten of the seven matches that they played, they scored nine goals, and they considered three. Unbelievable. So they are not a team that going to score a lot of goals, mm-hmm. and they don't always let in too many. That was why that performance against Nigeria was surprising. How open they, they were. were. Maybe it had something to do with Nigeria's quality. I'm going to give you one last hot streak and for those of you watching right now this will blow your mind okay one thing i can guarantee you is that ivan salvador is gonna get booked <laughs> in the game against Guinea. you know why one of those because guarantees. he has been booked in 16 out of his 30 matches for both club and country you're kidding more than half of them yeah. he's been booked so in fact the biggest surprise out of the game against nigeria was the fact that he wasn't booked <laughs> Every other game. Yeah. Every so other game. So this one, so if the mass, the, 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 if the mass add up, the, the, the odds are that he's going to get booked. Yeah. I don't know how much Betway is going to put on that, but if you're watching, yeah. that is one game that you want That's to make some cool one. money off. Carlos Mani, or Mani, yeah. is the danger man for Guinea-Bissau, obviously. It, it, it hasn't helped that in the build-up to this competition. They've had quite the number of issues they've had, the yeah. whole bonus issues. Yeah. Yeah demanding to be paid appearance fee for every game and then on top of that I think they lost 6-2 to Mali yeah uh, that's why I'm just I'm just not rating them um, against Ecuador Guinea and uh, I chew myself my point by enumerating just how uh, fantastic Ecuador Guinea are especially at this tournament and they remain unbeaten so far yeah. in this competition but Daniel thinks it's going to be an upset the first ever Guinea-Bissau win will come <laughs> <laughs> in that Thursday game against Ecuador Guinea uh, let's stay with that group because there is a cracking game mm. against or between Cote d'Ivoire host nation title uh, contenders and the Super Eagles of Nigeria, all right? The numbers are incredible. The last competitive game between these two sides was the AFCON final in 2013. Last competitive match. No, the, um, no that was the AFCON, was it quarter final? Which 2013? one? 20? Is it 20? The last competitive fixture between Nigeria 2013, yeah. yeah. So that was a that was a quarter final, that was only a final. Yeah. It was Cote d'Ivoire. Oh, wait. Who did Nigeria beat in the final? Oh, Burkina Faso. That's true. That is true. Thank you. Um, Yeah, they kicked them out of that that competition. Exactly. Uh, No, two, I think. Sunday Imba and uh, Akpai or some... No, Akpai is a goalkeeper. (laughs) Sunday Imba and somebody else. I think it was two. Um, He was a guy who scored the winning goal for Nigeria. Sunday Imba. I had mentioned his name, but I'm saying that it wasn't just one scorer. Yeah. I could just check for you. It's just a podcast. It's not television. <laughs> so um, I think the last time that they played each other competitively, you go back to 2013, and that match was actually 2-1 for Nigeria. Mm. Emmanuel Aminike, Aminike yeah. scored. Uh, Sheikh Tioti equalized, and Sande Imba got the winner in the 78 minutes. So... Mm. Um, two one, and you're right. And this was in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. of Afcon 2013. After that, I think they played a 
a couple of friendly matches as well. Um, let's talk about the host nation. Everybody says they're looking like favourites. And their performance in the first game, yeah. they looked really, really good. Uh, you know, they didn't have Sebastian Halle, but it didn't look like they had problems. Crasso came in, superb performance from him. And what a goal um, as well, you know. Listen, I don't know. Nigeria have never been kicked out of the Cup of Nations group stages since 1982. But if they lose this game against Cote d'Ivoire, suddenly there will be talk about that potentially happening. How do you think this is going to pan out? They'll beat Guinea Bissau in the last game. Nigeria's not going out in the group stage. <laughs> Their last stop is around 16, <laughs> not here. Um, but look, I think Cote d'Ivoire win. Nigeria were good against... You think so? Yeah, I think Nigeria were good against Equatorial Guinea. But this game depends on one thing for me. Okay. How how I would um, predict this game depends on one thing. As a stance, um, Musa is not... Um, the midfielder who, who injured his, his 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 knee in the first game, the Nigerian... No, it wasn't Omar. No, no, no. Omar Sadiq, Sadiq is the one who didn't show up. Interesting. Oh, by the way, even before you try to remember the one you're talking about, <laughs> I just saw a news article that Omar Sadiq has been included in the club size uh, squad for this week. So say that. So say that squad for a midweek. It's unbelievable. And he was seen training yeah. with this club. Like, yeah. he's supposed to be injured and out of the F card. But he's fit for his club side. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and people don't like that. It's like, it's like the whole... Uh, it's like the whole uh, Michael Fatah Shahaku. The football gods have a very funny, it's a uh, Yusuf Al Hassan. Uh, yes. Okay, Hassan uh, Yusuf, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he was a complete engine in the Equatorial Guinea game. I think he impressed me the most in midfield, and then he got injured. I think he was giving life to the Nigerian midfield in yeah. that game, box to box ability, causing problems in, in both boxes. and something just went missing when he went out of the game. We all spoke about their uh, midfield problems and he yeah. was like the surprise element in the first game. And when that element has been taken out, I don't I don't know if you'll be fit, but as a stance, he's, he's, nothing has come and it looks like he'll be ruled out of that game. And if he's not playing in that game, it's going to be extremely difficult for, mm. for Nigeria because the strength of that Ivorian team lies in the midfield. We saw the Absolutely. understanding between Sangari uh, Seko Fofana and then Frank in that first game. That trail, man. Yeah, you see, I said it at the start of the competition. They finally found a midfielder gels in terms of profiles. You yeah. don't need to force anything. You don't need to ask anyone to do a job that is outside what they know how to do. And yeah. it worked perfectly. We saw the offensive runs Seko Fofana was, was making in that game. And he could make those runs knowing the security behind him with Sangari cleaning up brilliantly. Sangari is not just your typical defensive midfielder. Very comfortable on the ball, can dictate the tempo of the game. And that's what I absolutely loved about the, the first game between uh, Guinea-Bissau and then the Ivorians. They did a very professional job. In as much as you credit Guinea-Bissau also, um, the Ivorians were very professional on the day. But as I said in the first, in the, in the previous episode, look, the Ivorians know how to rise up to the occasion. These are, th- this is the fixture they had been looking forward yeah. to when the, when the draw was done. And trust me when I say they are going to turn up. In terms of personal, in terms of the group, I think they have a more complete team than the Nigerians. They have individuals in their team who are also really good and really on form. Um, Nigeria so good that Sergio Aurier has successful for a place on the bench. 
and nobody even nobody even nobody noticed even it. Notice no. it. Even notice <laughs> it. That, that, that's that's the point. And you see, the Nigerians have problems. Equatorial Guinea were not the side that will open up the problems to see, but certainly for me, the Ivorians will, will, will open it. And I. I'm going to make a bold call. It's not, it's not going to be one of some of the games we've seen at this competition where it's close, exciting games where it's 1-1, 2-1. I think the Avaras win and win comfortably. Yeah. I'm looking at a 3-0, 3-1 win for, for, for Cote d'Ivoire in this game. Very comfortable win for them. Um, I think Danny just made some fantastic analysis and my mind just went back to the Cote d'Ivoire team we saw at the last AFCOM. Mm-hmm. How they looked at the back and the relative comfort with which they've played since then. Okay. And it, it all comes from the insurance the midfield gives them. Yeah. Now, I was, I'm just looking at my phone. I was checking the numbers okay. to look at that defense. At the AFCON in 2021, they considered 1.23 chances per game. Cote d'Ivoire. Per 90 minutes, yes. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. It was higher than Nigeria, who had nearly half of that, 0.57 um, Senegal, 0.60, right? So those were the volume of chances that they were conceding. So the defense wasn't great. And if you if you look back at that team, there was a deliberate attempt to sit deep, right? Despite the midfield profiles that they had. A perfect example was the game against Algeria, where they ran out 4-1 winners, where the manager knew that irrespective of the quality that he's got, in order to give them the platform to play, they need to play a bit deeper and also protect the defense because when there are turnovers, they may be forced into doing react in a manner that they may not have been coached to. And, and the time frame for doing that before the tournament was pretty short. 24 months on, we're looking at an avoid team that plays between 15 to 20 meters higher up the pitch than they were doing. Mm. And a coach is only able to do that if he is confident that his players can run up across the length of the pitch and then back without seeing significant or be without being susceptible to significant changes to the shape of the team. So everything is synchronized. Everything has been pieced together. If Sangari moves, he knows that Seko Fofana stays. And when Seko Fofana stays, the distance between Sangari and Fofana it's not crazy. It's not something that distorts the shape of the team. Yeah. The distance, by extension, between Fofana and then the centre-back, be it Diomande or Boli, whoever it is that is close to them, it's in proximity. And, and for now, they've looked like a very well-knit side. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch them, I get very jealous as a Ghanaian football fan yeah. because you can tell that a lot of thinking has gone into that team. But against Nigeria, they will be tested in terms of Absolutely. the chances that they are going to create. I think the trick, what I want to see from Nigeria is what? Go and clip the Nigeria Tunisia match, the first 60 minutes of that match, mm. and then replicate exactly what they did from the last AFCON, right? Chukweze or any of those white players on the, the right side them. who will be happy to vacate <laughs> that side, the width, tuck inside, and allow Ola Aina to bomb forward. On that left side, get someone who's happy to hog the lines and mm. combine with Zaidu Sanusi. Stretch the game and try to see what you can make from what. Because you've got a cheat code in Victor Osimhen 
further up the pitch. Look, even as wasteful as he was. In that case, then you're probably referring to their game against Egypt, not Tunisia. Tunisia, no, they lost. No, I'm talking about the wide areas. That's why I said the first 60 minutes. Ah, okay. Because they played really well. Mm. And you see, this idea that Nigeria have to dominate and this fixation with playing flamboyant football is perhaps one of the reasons why one of the reasons we are not seeing them looking comfortable. Yeah. They thrive on being very direct, get the ball into wide areas and get your best creators. Because to be fair, when they won in 2013, the football wasn't memorable. It doesn't need... Look, <laughs> it look, look, it it's was only, just efficient. That's it's only it. in Africa that we have this misconception that a good international team has to play an expansive brand of football. Yep. I think it was like that in the 90s, to be fair. And Nigeria just seemed so good, you said a little <laughs> bit... I think they're still very uh, contained in the... You know, nostalgia, the Okocha um, era, look, the Nguakukano era. This Those conversation. were very... Stretch this conversation to the Copa America, to the European Championships, to the World Cup. In the last 20 years, the last time any team won a tournament with authority, being dominant, was Germany in 2014. But even for them, after the quarterfinal stage, they started being pragmatic because it even is in not the sustainable. Group stages. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> even in the group stages. Yeah. The, so the two games were their best, most expansive game was the first game against Portugal. Portugal, yeah. and then against Brazil. Against yeah, against so Brazil. That, and that is too. two out of seven oh, games. USA, that game was very was close. Yeah, it was very. That cagey. is two out of seven games. So look, Africans have got to accept that your team doesn't need. It is good to expect your team to play well. But playing well does not necessarily mean take on necessary risks. Okay, dominate. So the question to you then is, how is that going to go? Who wins that match? Ivory Coast. I, all of these things we're talking about are things <laughs> I don't believe the coach is going to fix. Look, they did something well two years ago. They've abandoned it. We haven't seen Nigeria play anywhere remotely close to that. It will be unreasonable to expect that just because they had that scare against Equatorial Guinea, they are going to suddenly revert back to wisdom and then replicate everything that served them well yeah. in that game. I think an experiment that Nigeria needs to ditch is it will be in midfield. He just <laughs> runs around like a headless chicken. Well, in this case, a headless eagle. <laughs> Am I right? But, but why, I, I why just do, don't think. I just why do they persist with it? I just don't like. It doesn't no, have the. Let's 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 be calm. Okay. It will be in the last year. Even in the Premier League, has been playing in Central areas. In fact, let me see. The last two years has been playing in Central areas. Yeah. Yes. They just, have a, They have a clear lack of midfielders mm, in their team. So do. if you are going to, if you don't have midfielders and you have a player who, yes, he started off playing in wide areas. But in the last two seasons, has adapted to be playing in central areas. Then it makes sense. It's to just not working. Like, see, I, for I, me, what? yeah. When you do that, you are assuming that, and this goes to Pesero, he is assuming that the tactical context that allow Iwobi to look decent at Everton are the same, or he's going to be able to re repeat yeah. or recreate those. I'm, I'm saying the idea sort of makes no, sense. No, no, he's because saying you, that it is not. If you if you looked at the the, the midfield three, yeah, of Yusuf Aribo, um, no Aribo, no, Aribo was even yeah. on the bench. Yusuf Iwobi, yeah, who were playing in front of Onyeka, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Onyeka is. Typical DM yeah. stopper kind of thing. He yeah. can be very difficult to Risk progress the ball. Thank you. And then you have Yusuf, who's very good box to box. You have Iwobi, who is more attacking. You see, and when the, the teams Iwobi plays in central areas for are not high end teams. Yeah. Maybe we are judging him 
with elites. If right. you are judging him or pure on, central midfielders, pure central midfielder, if you are judging him based on players who can do a job, I don't think he's that bad. Mm. I think he can do a job for you, but it's what is what is the question is what is Nigeria demanding? Well, what what other options do they have? That's another question, yeah. isn't it? Because they don't yeah. really have a lot, yeah, uh, a lot of options. But I think the key to this game obviously would be Victor Osimhen. I feel like he will get chances again, and the game against uh, Kotoro Guinea, he, he was largely to blame. You get he chance. was likely to blame. No, but I'm saying that even if he gets half a chance, he needs to make the most of it. Yeah. He was getting big, big chances against Equatorial Guinea, and he was missing them. The African Footballer of the Year cannot afford to be missing such chances. You don't. And I think ultimately, for me, I think the, the key man for, and we can say all we want, but two key people. I, I like, I have said this many times, that the Afghan is always won by the team that has a plan and a team that shows enough commitment and great. You look at even Crasso uh, 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 coming in to replace Sebastian Halle, very yeah. unfancied place for Krevnas Vesda, uh, I think, in Serbia. He's uh, really good. The guy, yeah. the guy, is he, he, yeah, uh, no, again, saying that, you are guy, judging him, no, let, play let, one let me, before. no, let, let, let no, me, no, no, the guy, he played one chain before. You are judging Krasso <laughs> yeah. by the standard he's replacing. Yes. If you are judging yes. Krasso by Krasso, Krasso is really good. I, I guess it, but I'm saying that, I'm saying guy. that he wasn't seen to be the guy that was supposed to lead Cote d'Ivoire to glory. That's what I'm saying. That's the point. But right now, in the absence of Halle, he stepped in. No, in the national team, to be fair, Krasso is good. But mm. in the national team, he's never been the, 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 the go-to guy. guy for goals. Yeah, because Halle is there. Thank mm. you. But I'm saying that, I'm just saying that when you get the opportunity, you, you take, take it. it. Yeah. And he did brilliantly. That goal that he scored. Uh, listen, uh, when we talk about Lamin Kamara's goals, but that goal that Krasso scored... My goodness. Application and inventiveness. Oh, God. It, it, was, yeah. it was so good. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't it, just a goal. For me, if I'm the head coach of Cote d'Ivoire, I'm really tempted. Do I bring Halle into this game or I keep Krasso? You know why I'm saying that? Because Krasso's movement in and around the box, the, the nuisance he was he was causing, the, oh, the, the, how much he was disturbing the defense of uh, Guinea-Bissau. And you know he will translate that against Nigeria. Hala is a bit more static, kind of bring the ball to me. He doesn't offer that much mobility, with, uh, mobility exactly, uh, that uh, Krasu offers. So it's it's a decision you have to make. Interesting. And, and you know what I like about that goal? Uh-huh. You see all of these that are B strikers who come to the AFCON and they, they expect cross a face, a shot across the face of goal, tapping, tap in, cut back, and then just side foot it into the net. That is not the AFCON. You work the Afcon. You get what you work for. Yeah. Forceful application, inventiveness. True. True, true. But we've seen some great goals at the Afcon. Uh, obviously, yeah. so far I have to be honest. My my favorite has to be Baghdad Bonicescu. Uh, the one that was disallowed. Not just that one. That was disallowed. But that was the, the best goal. goal. Actually, the yeah. best non goal. Even yeah. yes, it's just a touch for me. Like it's one bam. Look, we're here for business. You know, I like yeah. the goal. Yeah. Mm. He's a he's a very good striker. Yeah, he had seen the goalkeeper's positioning before he took that yeah. shot, because he, he can't tell me he didn't see the goalkeeper's oh, yeah. positioning. If the goalkeper was in a more central area, that he would have taken another that touch. Maybe. A very simple scene, yeah. but clearly he saw where he was yeah. putting it, and just slotted it right. Yeah, fantastic. Top, top uh, anyway, um, listen, let's talk now about Ghana. 
the Black Stars. Okay, they lost their opening game. Sorry, Adidas. Goblins are hopeless. What are you doing? What is it? He's he's rehearsing for the Abiba song. Black Stars, for whatever I will say. All right. All right, so right now let's talk about what everybody wants to talk about, and I'm talking about the Black Stars game against Egypt, Thursday, 8 p.m. And listen, I went and I put my whole reputation on the line, okay? I put my reputation on the line. I even offered to change my name if the Black Stars lose to Egypt. So please don't lose. <laughs> don't lose. I don't want to be called Abiba. Please. I don't want to be called yeah, Abiba. You're already called Salamatra. How many I, female names do I need? The Abiba, no, which, which of them? Very good Abiba. Mr. Dros. Okay, that's Mr. Dros Abiba. If I am going to be an Abiba at all, I have to be a very good Abiba. <laughs> 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 I have to be an Abiba. I have to be a very good Abiba. Yeah. Oh I don't God. want to just be Abiba. Hey, no. It's interesting though because every time Abiba is using a song, it's it it is followed with it's followed by a. So I was coming yeah. to that. that <laughs> even the one that you it's chose, true. there is an a. Yeah, an a. a. But that's what not, that's what I'm saying. Rex Omar says Abiba. <laughs> hey. Something something I'm in the oh oh. And then Mr. Drew. Oh, you, Abiba, hey, so hey, Abiba. You don't know what he says uh, yeah, there. Yeah. Very good, Abiba. Yeah, Nissa. Abiba, yeah, Nissa. You don't know what Rex Omar says after he says. I don't Abiba, want to be called Abiba. Eh, uh, he says, "What don't go to on the Yeah, uh, that's why I didn't want to say it. You, you know the oh, I know. Translate it. Oh, we reached a wide, very wide audience. Wanna, wanna, see, I But even speaking of which, what's the meaning of Adonku? You see, that is a very, it's a very coded keyword. Is that tour? Yes. Adonko tour. So the yes. adjective yes. is, the adonko is adjective. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> tour. Not that. That's tour. Not, not that. <laughs> That's why you have to, you see, when I said translate, you say you translate. Now I'm trying to understand it the way I understand you. You say not that. What is the meaning of adonko? What is tour? No. That is evident. That what is self-explanatory. Ah, is so, but I do like this. <laughs> he said no. I want the meaning of the adjective. The adjective describing the tour. Yes. Oh, you want the meaning of it? Uh, what is that? Don't go. I so bottom line. I don't so, explain. It don't explain. You ask me a question. Okay, okay go on. Yes. Is he? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten the correct name, but I know you, go you to, don't know. No, I know. Wait, when you go to a playground, right? What? Kids and adults sit on to swing by and then we rock on it. So the rocky tour. What is this fixation with at all? Let's get back but to you the said it. I'm not the one who said it. Let's get back to the football. Okay. Yeah, he's Listen. saying that. Bottom line. Why do you want to remain I, stuck I on want that? The, I want to cure the mischief. Okay. It's the, not about curing mischief. We said something. Say it I said explain. Wait. You said you so explain. Let me explain to you. I don't want to. So you, you were explaining explain and he was trying to finish. So I don't want to explain. I yeah, shock. Rex Omar was basically saying, send your to Adonkum. Eh? Mm. Not Adonko tour as in what he's trying <laughs> to suggest. No. 
but he's singing. So there needs to be a rhythm to what he's singing. No, no, there needs no, no, to be cadence no. to it. So the singing tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Let's continue. <laughs> it's okay. Let's continue. Oh, uh, bottom line, I don't want to be called Abiba. Uh, because the blasters will do the job, or will they? Charlie, not the ideal start that we wanted. Obviously, losing the way they did to Capo Verde. Okay, um, listen, I, I I don't know about you guys, man, but when that last goal went in, I was numb. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. Um, against Egypt, Ghana's record in second group games at the Afcon. It's really good. Oh, <laughs> Listen, I have to find something to give myself. Say it. This is how you people get out of that. When you say like, it, you're jinxing it. You don't see it. Uh, okay, DK. Let's talk about the match. Mm. Um, Egypt didn't start well themselves. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Mozambique were very unlucky to draw that match. I, I, I thought they deserved to win. Uh, a start that would blow your mind. Mm-hmm. The Mozambique squad only two players in that squad have previously played at an AFCON. So, and one of them is a 40-year-old. And 10 of their players actually play in the Mozambican League, which ended in November. So for two months now, they have not played football. When you watch that game they played against Egypt, did it look to you like a team that was lacking in match fitness? No, because- And that is what you talk about, the desire, the heart, and everything. In our game against Capo Verde, we didn't see that players didn't run enough. It just looked sort of some of them looked out of sort. Uh, it was just a performance that was very uh, chaotic in ways that were not pleasant for the Ghanaian to watch, and the result just topped it up. We deserved to lose. We had one shot on target in the entire match uh, against Cape Verde. Cape Verde had four shots on target. Okay, Cape Verde took more shots than us. I think they took 15 shots or so. We did 10. You understand me? And it was it was embarrassing. They had more possession. The Cape Verde had an XG of 2.99. They could have, should have scored three goals per the chances that they created. <laughs> you know what our our XG was? 1.7 or something. It was less. It was like 1.23 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we didn't create enough, um, obviously. So looking at that, and you look at Egypt and the way they played against, uh, against, against Mozambique. Mozambique, they fought really hard. How do we match up against them? Like... You know, like all jokes aside, this is tough, bro. Friend is tough, but see. Look here. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you did the last time. And we still ended up losing. See, the last time I was suggesting. <laughs> and this time. This time. We are telling you. If you don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> this one, we are not joking. <laughs> This is very much against my personal principles when it comes to football. Before you go on, Daniel, you know something? Me, I have given up on analyzing Ghana games tactically. Like, no matter what you do, (laughs) it doesn't work. If they listen to me, it will work. This time, I'm I'm very sure. Chama. In fact, you you remember when we spoke about the Cape Verde game? Ah, Brother, you took out the crosses, Chama. Look, you are a prophet. Look at the chances we created in the game. For crosses. 
Collins Dorfer, when he hit the post, cross. When uh, Gideon Mensah swung it to him, he miskicked it with his cross. Foot, cross. Semenyon across the pool to cross. Jordan's assist to cross. Nyama. Nyama. Cross. Uh, no, uh, Semenyon to pencil. Semenyon to pencil. Yeah. Cross. You saw it. You saw it. All our chances in the game. Daniel, don't suggest you are, again. We attempted just don't, to off crosses. The don't suggest the game. You're not tell serious. Tell him. Don't the suggest message. the game. Tell him. Tell him. the message. Tell him. And we sit here and we do our. Charlie, there's a four in some way. Are you keeping him? Charlie, the way things are going, we can't change good to competition. <laughs> so I'll leave him like that. Okay. Um I don't think that Salisu's performance was based on his uh, poor defensive relationship with Jiku. I think it was just down to lack of match fitness. Yeah, and three competitive games. I would not waste it. You so bet in, him. In as much as I don't want Amati to be playing in the back four, I have to bring him in because Salisu doesn't look like he's the best. In the you are ditching Salisu for Amate. Oh, yes. Okay. So, just because of match fitness. No, Ahala. Yes, it's not one so, game against Kibbe that is going to bring him back to full match. So, fitness. the other three. So, Gideon Mensa and then the right back. Ch- Chama, they said Professor Songwe. Oh, Professor, I'll tap. <laughs> I'll play Ali Dusevi. No, I'm saying, and as I as I build my lineup, you get. Do you, do you trust Ali Dusevi to be disciplined enough in this match? He Look, can be. You see, Ali Dusevi, I think we've been very unfair. To Ali Dusevi has had a very very brilliant Black Stars career. Then he has so that far. one moment against USA. And then he overshadows. Okay, I, think he's a good player. Player. I, said, no, I think he's a good player. He's no, still plays in France. He's a very every good single, player. Yeah, every he's a very good player. No doubt about that. And, and, the issue and it Alidu, wasn't a bad performance against USA. The issue was with Alidu, The issue with Alidu isn't because he's, he's become a bad player. It's because he's caught the cancer that is in the black stars. He hasn't mm, caught it. Because, look, infection. I don't want to. But let's bring him in. I don't want to. He's probably more solid defensively. Go on down there. He can do the job. Yeah. Now, I'm putting Ali Dusedu in because going forward, no, he will, he's very he will stick at the back and deal with this man, and we need to do that. You can say I'm not going for a back three. Now I'm saying this because Charlie, we have to be brave in this game. I agree. We've watched the competition from the one. Usra undi. That's it. That's it. Usra undi. Namibia have beaten Tunisia. Yeah. If you are afraid, you will not top. China, Angola, Mozambique held didn't sit back the whole game against Equatorial Guinea held Nigeria. Kevel beat Ghana. Kevel beat, beat Ghana. Ghana by playing counter-attacking. They took the game to us and they beat us. Yes. Look, when you listen to the post-match uh, from the various players in that team, they feel shackled. They say they are not playing football enough. They are not being aggressive enough. We need to take the shackles of this team. Yeah. And that's why I'll put Salis in there. To play in that DM? Salis as my DM. Then I'm I put interested in the other two. Ashimeru. Mm-hmm. Then I put Mohamed Kudus. In midfield. in midfield. Kudus has actually not played in that number eight in a while. But when he first moved to Ajax, that's where he played. And he was very good. And I'm paying him with Ashimero because, you see, off the ball, and I think Cruz has killed that nonsense about his um, lack of 
work off the ball with what he's doing at West Ham United. He's been brilliant. So now we know he can do it. And since he can do it, you have to let him do it. Give him that instruction. Asmero defensively against Cape Verde was a bit poor, but that was because they were outnumbered in midfield. Of course. You can't, Zofa wasn't helping. He wasn't helping. Because of where he played. Because of where he played, exactly. So if you have the work rate of Asmero and Kudus off the ball, paired with Salis, who can properly... I actually shoot, like that midfield. I think we can get the job done. There's a lot of running and there's a lot of intensity in this midfield. And, and good creativity. Yeah, and good creativity also. And that is because of who we are facing. The midfield three in Egypt. Mm-hmm. El Neni has lost a bit of peace. He time. has. The Mozambicans run him to the they ground. They run him to the ground. <laughs> Zizo is good, but tactically he can get a bit too mm. indisciplined. When he moves forward, he doesn't re- re- um, retreat fast enough. So if you can have these guys very disciplined, running their socks off, we can do something. Then on the wide areas, I'll maintain Joseph Pinson. He had a good game. I'll keep Semenyo up top. Had a decent game. And I'll keep Jordan Ayu on the left-hand side. Mm. Osman, maybe? No. From the start, I'll keep Jordan Ayu. We need someone to help Gideon with Salah, isn't it? It's not that. Mm. You see, funny enough, up until the Black Stars scored the equalizer against... Um, Kid Ved. Jordan Ayu had created the most chances in the game. Had he? Yes, he had. Up until that point. What we needed at that point in time was pace on the wings. Because we were clearly showing that we were causing trouble down that side. So if you wanted to make a move or if you wanted to make a change, you don't take the you don't maintain Jordan who has lost space down the wing. You shift him inside because you've tried that experiment before. Three times since you took over the team. Yeah. He tried it against Angola. Where yeah. that move made the difference. Shifted Jordan and brought Ashimiro, brought on uh, uh, Joseph Pinson on the and right Osman. hand side. And Inyaki, and then Osman Bukaye, and that made a difference. Yeah. So the front five that you have experimented them could easily that it could easily have been repeated against Kimve. Mm. Yet he brought on Andre, who <laughs> sort of slowed down up. And then Jordan already would ask yeah. So it just killed our momentum and that was the end. So I'm saying I'll keep Jordan from the start okay. for a balanced sake. And creative in terms of creativity also, against Kibet, his offensive um, combination with, um, what's his name? Gideon Mensah was really good. Yeah. It was really good, in fact. I think... In fact, the two of them, if they yeah, were they lucky, they would have had two assists. Easily. Because Gideon's cross to uh, to Corningstorfer should have yeah. been a goal. Should have been a goal. Even Inyaki had a very good opportunity from Gideon's cross set up by Jordan. So, I would go with this lineup, and it's 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 very offensive. And I'm saying we need to be brave. If you look at the diamond up here, Semenyo, Kudus, Ashimeru, Salis. These guys have energy. The intensity is there. Joseph Pinso offensively was brilliant against. Um, very direct. Kipfer. I like that. And you see, this is a youthful, energetic, powerful team. Because Egypt, if you look at their they are right back on the day. He was so poor he had to be substituted. Fatty. Fatty. And Fatty is their starting right back. Mm-hmm. So he's going to play. Hegazi, winning. He's going to play. <laughs> Egypt has the oldest squad in the tournament. They are very old. And yeah. Mozambique showed us that. If you're able to match look, Egypt can't sustain that intensity throughout the game. If you're able to match them, they are going to tie. 
So if we sit back and we allow Egypt to come at us, they are never going to get tired. I agree. And they are going to carve us. I agree. Because we've shown that even when we sit back, we are not compact enough. So be brave. If we are brave in this game, look, we can fashion our chances. The key word is bravery. Bravery. Go Bold, at them. Courageous. Be courageous. Go at ah. them. And later on in the game, okay, Semenyo, when we have scored some Se- one goal, Semenyo has shown that yes, he tires up a bit. Then I'll take him off. That's right. I'll push Kudus up top here. I'll bring Jordan inside. Number 10. I'll drop Asmero. Then you bring Osmar over there. Take him off. Bring Baba. Show up this. Ah! And put Osman there. Put Osman. So that when you have a back six. And then we are going. Solid defense. Then we move into counter mode. You move into counter mode with Joseph Pinso. <laughs> Maybe I even take Pinso off and bring Yama. Switch Yama here. Osman. Uh, Kudus. Kudus. So very traditional wingers. Left with the ball. Speed. Enough of the word dreams. Let me bring you back to the <laughs> No, I agree. I'm going to bring no, you no, back no, to the reality. Me. I don't need no, the it's, No, it's true. Because yes. you can say all you want. Chris, you too will give us what he always gives us. What What did I tell you guys the last time? All of the tactical idea in there, you will see the double pivot. Hey, Chama, you can even kneel down here. You can kneel down ah, here. We like. Wait, wait, I wait. told you people, you, you will see the double pivot. Chris, you didn't watch this podcast. <laughs> because he has never he has. started Ashmore until I told him to do uh-huh. <laughs> No, so I you actually use the red button. No, so you will. clear that way. I just, I just want to establish something. Uh-huh. I just want to establish something. Okay. Right? Mm. <laughs> we had something similar to this right something mm-hmm. similar to this mm-hmm. against Cape Verde mm-hmm. when Denis Odoi said there were too many gaps between the lines this is what he was talking about yes so he you complained could, about it look I could have built if you call death track yeah. you could have built two matches six of those units between the midfield the defense the midfield and, and then the attack yeah. and I'm saying defense and midfield because they seem to be to be on the same line all the time, mm-hmm. right? Meanwhile, for any properly functional team, you would find something like this. You would find something like this. You would perhaps find situations where players are closer, so shorter distances between them. It's very important. Yes. Compact. Uh-huh. So when they are moving forward, they move together. So at any point in time, you've got triangles all over the pitch. You've got triangles here. You've got triangles here, here. If they want to combine, which makes it easier to combine. And when they are pressing, they, they press like a wolf pack. They go together. But Denis Odoi says, this is this was our situation. I'm telling you. He wasn't you, lying. He wasn't lying. That was what we saw. And so this and young man here. were overpowered. Yes, this young, young man, man here, Yeboah, was supposed to cover this space. This space. And then when the ball comes here, still be here. Onye will walk. So and and he doesn't have that tank to cover this. Look, even for regular central midfielders, when you ask them to do this job, it's they difficult. will get tired. It's a very difficult one. The man we are working with is wedded to a set of principles, and he falls in the category of coaches who are either in, incapable or unwilling to coach any team beyond their own insecurities. And his insecurities here have to do with balance and space. Mm. So what do you think that would not have been a problem if he's able to compensate for that by actually giving you solidity 
Because the whole point of the compact football, the counter attack, so is, is, is that we don't concede chances. But we are conceding chances. But we are. And that is why I don't have a lot of faith that we are going to see in. Look, the structural issues that we have identified are too much to be fixed in 48 or 72 hours. So, yes, they are going to review the game. They are going to look at the combinations between. And one of the problems I think he's going to find has to do with who plays as the LCB, the left center back. Daniel mm. thinks that it should yank Salisu for Amati. Which. So, which and the reason and he gave us fantastic because mm. if he's not much fit, 90 minutes against Kivet is not going to bridge. It's not going to bridge that because one of the main action spots for Egypt is going to be on that left side. At the last half, Mohamed Salah scored four out of the seven goals that Egypt scored. In the qualifiers, he played four matches. He scored two, gave three assists. So he's Mr. Egypt. Apart from him, the other player that they depend on is uh, Mustafa Mohamed, who doesn't score a lot of goals. The in fact, he's only scored, scored one half Congo, which came against games, Mozambique. In eight games. Yeah. But he's a warrior. He's a fighter. In fact, in the French League this season, only four players have won more aerial duels than him as far as the forwards are concerned. Pause, pause, pause. Before you continue, mm -hmm. you see the way somebody doesn't score, but he's a warrior, he's a fighter. That one is an advantage. He scores too. He has seven no. goals this season. Boga, no? he said aerial duels. It's not an advantage. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it's an advantage. He's good. He's good. I didn't say it's an advantage. He's scoring games without scoring, but he wins the most duels in his career. He's good. I'm just telling you anybody's name, but you continue. That is one player who is very athletic and is going to cause problems for whoever is going to partner. Then he's a striker. Juku in that position. Okay. So whoever you're going to play, do you go with Salisu, who we suspect may not have the right, be in the right physical condition to partner because Gideon Mensa Obebre, like Obefa hits. So he needs someone who's going to be sharp enough and up to the task. Jordan is there, he'll drop and help. No, I'm talking about the left center back, mm -hmm. right? Either him, because if you look at Mohamed Salah's goals at Liverpool, a lot of the goals he scores are from this from The half space. Room. Yes. The half space here, getting inside the box. Essentially, the area where the left centre-back is supposed to police. Uh, you've mentioned our problem. So, so either saying, him uh, or Amati. Okay. Who, for my money... Look, Amati I'll, won't come there. If I'll Amati go comes into partner Jiku, they will switch. Jiku, Jiku, Jiku goes it. left. So... If you want to do it that way, then that's fine. Yeah, that's what that, that's, that's, that's how they've always so played. That, <laughs> so that's, that's how they've always played. That's your best go bet. left. I want to go to the right side. For me, I think Chris Hutton goes this. Salis, Baba Idrisu, Ashimiru Majid. Then possibly plays Inyaki here. Semenyon, Jordan. I don't think Kudus is going to start. Interesting. Hey. When you go for this, he gets his fixation with DM, <laughs> with two DMs. He satisfies his cravings. He satisfies his cravings there. Thank you very much. But he also here plays someone who's familiar with being an amateur or being asked to be the brains of the operation. So he controls the tempo in this area, determines whether the team goes a much faster whether we go for the attack or we slow the game down and bring it back. Unfortunately, what you really need that to happen is in, is in this area. But the manager is not the kind who wants his team to have that midfield control. He doesn't want it, right? And I'm more comfortable with this because you have a bit more solidity and you have someone who will not be playing with the fear of aggravating or picking up an injury. 
ask Muhammad Kudus will be doing. And the only condition or circumstance where Kudus should play is if we are sure, minimum 85% that he can play without problems. I would take an 85% fit Kudus. From Muhammad Kudus. Yeah, but that would, that would also mean adjusting the team because look, a Kudus who is not 100% fit, you cannot ask him to play number 10. Because mm -hmm. the exertions of that rule may run him into the ground and then you risk... Even to be fair, a lot of Kudus's game, actually, it's very physical dependent. Yeah, exactly. Because he takes a lot of knocks. He likes to hold on to the ball. Uh -huh. So he's always... So he's, his, you know, his style of play yeah. draws a lot of fouls. It does. So it's not something that I'm going to risk. Okay. What will be important uh, for one me... One thing I know for sure is that Kudus is fitter than you. Your knees seem to be giving up on you. No. What will be important <laughs> for me... Train. You don't train. You don't train. You don't train. What will be important you, for me... You've for like a few minutes and you are, you are panting. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> What would be important for me is that whoever plays here with Sidu Alidu needs to maintain the balance of the weight. Mr. Alidu is not, he doesn't like this place here. Build him a five bedroom apartment, he doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. So whoever plays here needs to understand that the job is to get to the byline and then send it. Look, the Egyptians are old. The average age of the Egyptian team is 28.9, is it, or 28.2? They're the oldest team in the tournament. And it reflects in their defense, Hegazi mm -hmm. and Co. They don't have the legs. Yeah. What, what they don't want is to defend crosses, especially the kind that we started sending to the where they are more comfortable with. Okay, especially those on the carpet. Look, but if you're putting them in the sky, we have no chance. Look, for, for this game, the approach picks itself out. The Ghana team is not trained to sustain possession. It is not trained to pass the ball or play in the middle. Our best route to getting chances and possibly goals is out wide. Okay, right? fair enough. Whatever happens, engage them in these areas. I don't care what you do, right? Which formats the chances are going to come, but engage them in this. Stretch the game. Make their centre-backs and their holding Let them work. Let them work. Let them work. Yeah. And that is the only way. Because we have a tendency to actually let teams be too comfortable in possession. It's like, we don't press them no. enough. We don't, no, we don't. We don't stretch them enough. It's, no, we don't. Uh, and you man. see, my fear in this game is that we, over time, have not shown a capacity to sustain momentum. So when we have a good spell, sometimes we actually self-destruct. Like, yes, by substitutions. <laughs> and you know, what was disappointing for me with what Chris Hutton did was that Chris Hutton was part of the technical team when we made that same mistake against Portugal. Mm -hmm. Immediately we scored, we decided to throw on three new players. Oh, At gosh. that time, we all assumed, okay, Otuado is a rookie, so he, he probably doesn't understand. But what we've come to see is in football is that for experienced managers and experienced coaches, when they score, they would want to... To breathe that, a bit. Let the team breathe. Let the team settle. They have to. Before you try to change the dynamic. Because when players what, what come into the game... What are saying? A team is most vulnerable... When they've just scored. Yeah. Because players will take a minute or two to settle into the game. Yeah. Right? The other day, Sicho was explaining the Jordan situation and the goal that many blamed him for against, against Portugal. It will happen to every other player because they need to get to grasp with the temperature yeah. of that game. We beg okay. them. No, but you see, friends, friends, three seconds. Rest your knees. <laughs> the problem, the problem is not the substitute. For me, the problem is not is even it, the substitution. It's no. personnel and system change, yeah? We've consistently taken off the guys responsible for giving us that momentum. That's the problem. The guys That's who the are playing well and driving us forward, you take them off. And then you bring... So it's almost like, hey, you people, you are overworking. You are overworking, come and sit down. <laughs> and the, okay. you see, and more of the problem is also that the people coming to replace them 
even in profile, they are not the in same. age, yeah. in ability, don't match that energy. That has always been our problem, right? Misprofiling. It's a big deal. And 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 planning. Because honestly, in this tournament, I don't think we actually thought about a proper plan B for Mohamed Kudus. Friend, let me just add this quickly. When Andre came off the bench against Cape Verde, yeah. what I genuinely thought was going to happen with that triple substitution was Andre was going to the top. Yeah. Andre was going to the top. Jordan was coming inside to the uh, number 10. Inyaki was going to the right. Enyama was coming to the left. That's what I thought was going so to happen. So we're sending more crosses. So we're sending more crosses yeah, for Andre because that's what he wants. Yeah, but what happened true. was Andre was now doing senior man ball. Yeah. They asked Andre to be playing bro, in and around bro, the box. Bro, everywhere except in, inside the box uh, where you'll uh, be most dangerous. Uh, God. So, so um, what's up? We don't want to come home early. Okay. Having and said the last after we came home early, we don't want to come home early. My brother, it's the hope that kills you. Right now, I'm thinking <laughs> about how I'm going to survive with the name Abiba. Because Obiana no worry. <laughs> Everybody and they are worried. <laughs> Prediction. Charlie. You know, <laughs> amongst all of us, I was the only one who predicted we we're going to lose to him. Interestingly. <laughs> um... Do you think we can get a result? If Chris Hutton listens to me, we will get a result. And if he listens to Achu, if he listens, no, but Achu, Achu, it's not bad. Yeah, I like it. If he listens to himself, Charlie, the thing, it's not. It be this difficult. Oh God! Like especially in terms of how we approach the game and how we start. Yeah, you you can't set up to feel from the beginning. I mean, look, because I said from the beginning that once we knew. And was it you or Danny who said we didn't seem to have a plan for Kudus Mohamed? I just said that. The moment we knew this is the fixture schedule, Cape Verde before Egypt, and we don't have a semblance of chemistry, that Cape Verde game, we should have approached that game with the same template we use for the Egypt game. So that whatever you go into that game, Champion, you would have tested We don't have a plan. We didn't have a plan for Partey's injury. Partey missed. We didn't have a Fent, plan. What, what I don't understand. It's, okay. It's Chris Hutton has been here for a while. I'm not even looking at it since he came in. From when this season started, the international breaks, from, so from September till now, he's experimented in the absence of Kudus. He's experimented two players, in fact, three players in the number 10 yeah. room. From the start, Konigsdorfer against Namibia. Mm-hmm. Jordan Ayu against Namibia. Against, yeah, no. Jordan Ayu against Angola. Mm-hmm. From the bench, Jordan has played number 10 twice. Mm-hmm. Has played from the start once. So at least three times under Chris Hutton, he's been experimented as a number 10. And when he became critical. Only once mm-hmm. under Chris Hutton has he experimented Konigsdorfer as a number 10. When I saw the lineup, what gave me joy with that lineup was legit. I thought Konigsdorf was going to his favorite play wide, play wide Jordan yes. through the middle. That, and when the game started and it wasn't working tactically because the player had been mis- misprofiled and the player was clearly struggling so, but, to but, understand but, the rule. He could me, have even switched. So, but, but guys, for me, and at the risk of sounding controversial, the bigger problem was not even where Konigsdorf played. The problem was the supporting, supporting cast around him because okay. when he had the ball... Every time you try to swivel around the opponent. Because he when, had to. He was isolated. And I'm saying that if, even if he were successful, the nearest player was 15 yards away from him. Mm-hmm. So the structural issues 
or the lack of it right. made it impossible cool. for him to have any kind of success what's as your, opposed to what's his sh- skill sets. What's your prediction for Egypt? You, I don't, you seem like a very fake Igwe man to me. Nana, I'm a realist. He's never predicted anything correctly. It's like, <laughs> why? Your your grandfathers, they don't look or what? <laughs> Charlie. Yeah. But, me, but, at least but, the Malam didn't disappoint but, but, me the last know, time around. Ivory Coast is not very far. Look, I can catch a bus to Nogopo by, by midnight. What are you saying? Oh. Nogopo is not far I can get you. I, so you're saying I won't that only be able to we get should you stop this recording line. so that you go to know where and come back. The black stars are more important. <laughs> I won't only be able to get you a scoreline. I'll be able to do something about the real match outcome. No, Wahala. You change right. something small. So oh, that's the black stars. Hopefully, on Thursday, uh, we get a decent result. Hopefully. Hopefully. It's. All right. <laughs> All right, let's now talk about Ghana's other group game. Okay, uh, Capo Verde with three points take on Mozambique. Mozambique, who are unlucky not to get three points against Egypt. They have one point uh, and they are currently in occupying in uh, second position, I believe, in the group. Um, Daniel, I'll give that one to you. I think their styles cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. Um are more possession oriented. They like to have the ball. Mention that high line. Yes, they are high, they come at you. But Mozambique are also very difficult to break down. So as we saw against in the Egypt game, extremely difficult to break down. And they are deadly on the counter-attack. The intensity that they play with is something that must be watched. But I think <laughs> I think Kivet can handle that intensity. And I think Mozambique are a bit too difficult to break down and Kivé will not will struggle to do that. So I think they will cancel each other out. I think this game will end in a draw. It's not just what I feel. It's also what I, I want and need to happen. <laughs> because, no, seriously, we've already started calculating. No, if, if they don't lose... If either team wins. If either team wins, we are, we are in serious trouble. Uh-huh. So we need a draw in that game. And I, I believe, look, I serve a living God. They will draw. <laughs> you don't do calculation for other people. Oh, black stars! You know when they start losing, then we, their name becomes blaster. 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 <laughs> blaster. 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 We'll put man in trouble. Uh, Mozambique, Cape Verde. I think Mozambique might have just done too much in the game against Egypt. So I am tipping Kevet to actually win that match. You have to draw. It's not about <laughs> it's not about what you think. It's about what we need. <laughs> the results that we need. Oh, because, but because it should be a cracking game. Any winning that match is it's trouble for us. No, yeah. no, no. Um, they have to draw. But it was a cracking game. Cracking game. Kevet wins six points. That's true to the next round. And then Egypt, Ghana, and Mozambique will have to chase the remaining spots. Anyway, uh, Senegal. Against Cameroon. Yeah. Uh, another clash of the tournament. Senegal are on some wonderful winning streak. In fact, they've won four of their last five matches. Cameroon have drawn all their last four games as well. They might be welcoming Andre Onana into the starting Why? lineup. Why? Uh, Ondoa conceded for starters. But okay. Uh-huh. Why? 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 <laughs> Why? When I was upset that he didn't 
<laughs> including in the team against we are not going to talk about I, I'm going to try to <laughs> we are not going to talk about we are going to talk about a match we okay. are not digression okay leave onana alone he said he loves his but country there is a decision and that's why he's made. there there is a decision to be made about the choice of goalkeeper for the match see even if ondoa had considered five goals in that game he should still start he should still be in the post what could be able to stop the senegalese attack because they are on riot senegal have started a competition like real champions 20 year old lamin kamara oh my god but what's the guarantee that onana would not have shipped in goals uh, sure. i do not say he would i'm just talking about i'm just praising senegal Why let I'm me talking go. like onana is <laughs> lamin me what's the guarantee that he can stop Lamin Diara, <laughs> my word. Kamara. Lamin Kamara, sorry. Hey, Lamin Diara, the other day. Lamin Kamara, my yeah. word. 20 years old. He's gone through the whole mill and the 20 best player. Chan. He was also uh, a key player for that Chan team. They won the Chan, won the under 20. He played for both teams. He was phenomenal. He's going to match the way he announced himself. Go from center. This kid is unstoppable. Someone cooked him in the studio, in the laboratory. <laughs> yeah, someone cooked. Someone cooked. So yeah, you, you're like this is so, GFA executive so council, like sports minister. Soldier, please off. pay attention and uh, pay attention and listen to. If this. you're good enough, you're old enough. Pay attention, GFA sports ministry. Lamin, Sadio Mane, Ismail Assad, Papa Gueye, Generation Foots. Academy. Straight to Europe to generation. Some... In fact, the last, uh, the first time Senegal won the Afcon, they had eight players, four apiece from the Ambas Academy and Generation Foot. Patrick Vieira's the Ambas Academy. Yes, they are producing. They are adding value to the talents they have. Yes. So when they sent Lamine to Mets, straight He's to the first team after... on his debut. When they From sent Sadio Mane, at that time, the best football academy in Europe, Mane did to not Red look Bull. out of place at Red Bull. When we send our players, they go to Lifrin, Wolfsberger, sometimes second division of Norgele. Masa, Croatia, Romania, The reason Bulgaria. I want the sports ministry and the FA to pay attention is that repeatedly, and in the last 15 years, I think two of the best talents we have sent abroad have been Efriye Banier and then Abdul Fatawi Saakou. For Tawe especially, are the clubs that they went to, the coaches that told us that these guys, the basics in their game, they the technical them. fundamentals are non-existent. It's not. It's not that it is there. And it, it needs some polishing. You know, they they don't have it. Zero. Which means the whatever it is we are teaching the kids here, it is baller. It's rubbish. Nobody is intentional about the talent development in Senegal, in Mali. In Ivory Coast, to a certain extent, there is a deliberate attempt to influence the talents that is being developed. And so, if you look at the players that Senegal are exporting, high volumes of central attacking midfielders and forwards. It is not happening by chance. Mm-hmm. It is not by chance that that Lamine Idrissa Gueye, sorry, Papi Papa Matasa. Gueye, Matasa, and all of these boys, if Bisuma, and what, and the funny thing is, some of these boys when they need to get these European passports. It is Ghana that they come to. Mm, if yeah. Bisuma came Not to Ghana- Not passport, visas, you mean. Visa, sorry. It was Ghana that if Bisuma came. Sadio Mane came yeah, of course. to Ghana before he flew away. You shouldn't just be the, the airport the or the transit point. Be, transit point. No. 
We have talents. Fair enough. Uh, Cameroon, they are just like Ghana. So they could as well have been listening to what you mm. are saying. Because that's the only reason Paulana is able to do that to them. <laughs> oh, but, um, but see, that it's, again, allow me. The la- when they won the AFCON, has anyone bothered to check Ondoa's record before that time? The year prior, he had been moved from Barca to, um, there was a lower gymnastics. Yes. And then Mafamut. Third year of Spanish football, he, they are beat him. He didn't make the grade. He went to Sevilla B. He didn't make the grade. In three years, he had kept the post on six occasions, just six competitive matches. And yet at the AFCON, he was a beast. In 2017, fair and enough. That was the same Afcon Onana said he because he was he also doing joined some people. people. He was doing the guy came, he won the Afcon today. Yeah. Onana and you see the Onana nonsense. Eh? And it's not as if I he has credibility. Cousins, aren't they? They are cousins. Sorry. They are cousins. It's not as if Onana is on the back oh, of some she. brilliant form okay, that gives okay, him credibility. Okay, okay, okay. Enough it's of that. Onana slander. Enough, enough. It's not Onana it's not slander. slander. It's, it's true. What's that? Okay. It's not slander okay. if it's true. You stay okay. at my only to ship two goals against Tottenham UK. What do you do? Pass <laughs> boys. Don't go and play me. So, uh, because of Onana's See, annoying. If he keeps a post, Sadio Man is getting a hat trick on Friday. Senegal beats him. Oh, my God. Okay. Fair enough. So, is that straightforward? Senegal beats uh, Cameroon. Because of Onana. Because of Onana. If Onana doesn't catch it, to be two. If Onana catches it, to be four. What's that? Interesting. Uh, the last competitive game between these two sides has to be AFCON 2017. It was yeah, Cameroon uh, who kicked yeah. them out of the competition. Um, the Our next game to talk about is Guinea-Gambia. Huh. Guinea started the competition very well. Very well. Uh, the Gambia, not so much. Losing, obviously, to uh, to Senegal. Guinea got that draw against Cameroon. Uh, and Guinea did it without their key player. Yeah. Uh, now Gurasi and Nabiketa. Nabiketa and Gurasi yeah. as well. Two key players, actually. Um, if they get them back against the Gambia. I don't think Gurasi will be fit for that game. Okay. But I'm sure Nabiketa will start. Um, funny enough, with the Guinea and uh, Gambia and Senegal game, I think Gambia collapsed because Senegal are just too good. Yeah. I think that's the case. I think they will revert back to <laughs> uh, default settings against Guinea. Very compact, very difficult to break down. Um, not every team has Lamin Kamara and uh, uh, Sadio Mani in there. So maybe they'll be able to survive. And Guinea themselves, they've had a goal-scoring problem over time. And um, I think the safest bet for this game is under 2.5. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about Algeria. The way they started the game against Angola, I thought, damn, these guys are here. They're back for business. Then they concede a very funny penalty. And then the match ends in a draw, obviously. But they just scored some fantastic, the best non-goal I have seen. Uh, I would probably ever see at the AFCON. <laughs> uh, but what a draw. I, I will be honest and say that was a really surprising result. Because we played Angola twice. Ghana played Angola twice in the qualifying. Um, and we saw their strength. They're not that good. But the way they held Algeria, uh, it's now suddenly making me question Algeria's uh, strength or ability, yeah. uh, I thought they would have been like they would have dispatched them with ease, but it wasn't. Burkina Faso against them that is a very tricky game. If anything, I thought I feel Burkina are probably stronger than Angola. The pro- so the problems that we saw from the last Afcon have not gone away. Um, I'm just going through the numbers. They had an expected goal of or expected goals of four point nine, unbelievable, and they scored just one mm-hmm. from wow. those. Yes, and we're talking about. 
Sierra Leone, Equatorial Guinea. Those were the kind of opponents. Of course, the Ivory Coast game took a massive swing because they considered four goals and that invariably pushes the numbers forward. But essentially, there is a problem of putting chances away ever since they won the AFCON. Then there is a problem of being able to sustain midfield and control momentum. So you mentioned the fact that it looked like they were doing really well at the point when they needed someone to just allow the team to breathe, take the steam out of the game and not make it a contest. They didn't have that. And that's what offered Angola a route back into the game. And mm. when a football match beca- becomes end-to-end, that open, you are basically counting on the opponents not to take the chances that they score or not that to score create. the chances that they create mm. or not to convert good openings into goal-scoring chances, which is criminal at this level. So then... Against uh, Burkina Faso. So you have a team that is not clinical in front of goal. You have a team that is not able to control games. I think Burkina Faso is where they, they really, the flaws get to be properly exposed because you are not going to have that many opportunities to score. Yes, yeah, Boneja is, is, is like a cheat code because he can convert a half chance into a goal. But Burkina Faso are going to get something from this game. Interesting. Uh, Daniel, Mauritania were not supposed to be that good against Mali. And I say that good uh, against Burkina Faso. They lost the game 1-0. But anyone that watched Mauritania would have been very, very impressed with them. Uh, They played really good football. And their coaches, Abdu, the one who supervised Komoros' famous victory against Ghana at the last AFCON, he's got them playing some really good football. They take on Angola, who would have been obviously higher on the confidence from their draw against Algeria. Yeah. Um, I think Mauritania are really good. Yeah, they've struggled. I think they've not scored an Afghan goal in their last, was it 10 matches? So they've gone on this very long wow. streak without scoring a goal. And it was telling. It was telling the game against Burkina Faso because it's almost like they didn't believe they could score. They were creating the openings, creating very good scenarios, but it just wasn't uh, getting in for them. And at the end of the day, it was, you could just tell that the experience of the uh, Bukinabis will come to will come to bear. That it's just something about these big nations. They, they'll find a way to get get the result, and uh, Burkina Faso will uh, finally able to do so. But against Angola, I think it will be a, a, a much different story. Um, they will they will have to a bit, be a bit more compact because the Angolans when they are facing, should I say, their mates mm-hmm. are a bit more expansive. They don't they don't sit back and and, and go on a counter attack, and they have some very good attacking players. If you saw the second half of the the Algeria game when they were fe- fe- uh, very fearless and brave, they took the game to the to yeah. the Algerians and were creating some pretty good openings. And obviously, in terms of set pieces, they are also really dangerous because technically they have very good players who can deliver and very um, telling balls that will that will that will worry defenses. So it, it, sh- it should be a very interesting one. I, I expect an exciting encounter. I don't see too many goals in there. But just like the games that we've seen throughout the competition, I think it's they've they've each lived up to to expectation. Very yeah. very good watchable games for ninety minutes. It doesn't need to pro- produce a lot of goals, but I I'm tipping Angola to 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 get this one over the line. A very narrow victory for them. Uh, if, if you'll allow just two minutes. Two um, minutes is too much. A minute on Mauritania, Please. Mr. Kriku. This one goes to you. Okay. The Mauritania that we are seeing today, ah, uh, it directs or the perfect example of wise usage of the FIFA goal projects. Mm-hmm. We've seen the, G- the GFSS, they've spent 
eight million US dollars mm-hmm. of FIFA Gold project. You cannot point to what they've used that money for. It's what has Mauritania used yeah. theirs for? They have a technical center right in the city center. They have a medical center close to it. They use part of that money, and I'm talking about just 11.1 million US dollars. Mm-hmm. To complete their Olympics, they say just like you see some before. <laughs> as recent as recent as 2016, mm-hmm. Mauritania were at risk of not having a national stadium to host their national team yeah. matches. So mm-hmm. they used, they were forced to think, and think they did. They used that money to complete the Olympic stadium, technical center. They have built training pitches. Three of them are artificial pitches. They've used some of that money to restructure, strategize, and then structure their national leagues well so division one division two division three giving them proper technical support they've now set up a framework for their women's game and they are doing well the impact of that is that for the first time in the country's history they've made three consecutive afcon appearances it's not by chance it's by planning uh it's by uh deliberate attempts and it's by obviously uh, a certain will and desire to be better. We have to get to that point uh, ultimately. Anyway, that's it for another episode of uh, Marlim Go. Do make sure to subscribe to this channel and um, uh, we're back again next week. Thank you very much. Achoo Tamaklo, thank you as well. And uh, yeah, sure. We're back again uh, next week with another episode. Until then, Keep watching.